Uh, Proverbs 30, verse 8 and 9 should come up on the screen. It says, Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonour the name of my God. How does that sit with you? Uh, Maybe we don't feel that we could ever have enough money. Uh, You know, the more you have, the more things you think you can spend it on. But is it possible to have too much? Uh, Proverbs 38 and 9 suggests that we can have both too much or too little at least when the underlining concern is not the money, but that our hearts remain focused on God and that our lives bring glory to him. It's really a prayer, isn't it? Uh, Let not money be a stumbling block for me in my relationship with you, Lord. A friend of ours says the best thing that you can do with money is get rid of it as quickly as you can. Uh, I find that a little bit challenging. Uh, Aren't we taught to save, you know, to to accumulate? Money can mean security. It can, can't it? Uh, Money can mean power. Money can mean freedom, free to do whatever I like, whatever holiday, whatever desire. Money gives status. We observe uh, what car do they drive. And so I guess we can easily be enslaved by money. Anyway, you might find it a bit strange that we're thinking about money uh, now as we approach Christmas. You think, what are you doing speaking on money? As we plan for holidays, as we wrap up not just presents but yet another year, uh, this might be the time of the year where the budget is thrown out the window if you're organised enough to have one of those. Or, Or is money just always on the mind? Our regular checking of the the banking app on, on your smartphone? Uh, is, is there enough uh, in the account? They're wondering about the impact of inflation and the, the rising interest rates, filling up the car at the service station and thinking, why did I get a diesel? It's meant to be the other way around, isn't it? Uh, what about money? Well, in that passage uh, that Mark just read for us, the Apostle Paul, he turns to this subject of money and he deals with it uh, in two chapters, but we're just looking at the first 15 verses of chapter 8. And as, as Paul turns to money, his concern is for the, you noticed as we read, for, for the wealthy followers of Jesus in this place, Corinth, that they might support their poorer brothers and sisters in Christ from Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem that may be poor due to persecution or or, uh, maybe due to the severe famine in that region. It could be both. Either way, Paul's raising money that they might be provided for. And this comes up in Romans 15 and, and 1 Corinthians 16 as well. But even as Paul is talking about money... What he's really calling for is a wholehearted following of Jesus, which of course impacts even the way we handle money. 
In verses 1 to 7, you notice Paul uses the Macedonians as an example to follow. Uh, Remember the Macedonians, he's saying. When you think Macedonian, think Philippi, think Thessalonica, think Berea. And if your Bible's there, just have a look at verse 2 with me, I'll, I'll read. He says, In the midst of a very severe trial... Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. You see that the Macedonians, they're doing it tough themselves, but there's an overflowing joy, a rich generosity. You and I might want to cling on to our money for security, for power, for freedom, for status, for for some other thing. But they, verse 3, notice, gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. And you picture this, don't you? The Apostle Paul, he knows them. He knows their situation. Just take it easy, guys. You're doing it tough. You know, the Corinthians, I'm going to visit, you know, they've said that they'll kick in. They have a lot of coin. But the Macedonians, verse 4, What are they doing? Urgently pleading for the privilege of sharing in this service of the Lord's people. Let us buy in, they're saying. Let us get on board. Let let us be involved. We might think we're missing out when we give money away, missing out and all those other things that we want to get. But they seem to see it the other way round. Do you, do you know that story about there's a, a special collection taken up uh, at a local church and there's this announcement on, on a particular Sunday, uh, we're going to take up a, a special collection for the poorest family uh, in, our, in our local church. Uh, you know, we'll take it up in two months' time. And one particular family, that they hear this announcement and they get really excited uh, about it. What a great opportunity. A couple of the kids manage to take part-time jobs. The family agrees to eat more cheaply. They save however they can and as much as they possibly can. But what a joy that they could participate in helping those who are in need. The Sunday service where, where the collection was to be taken, it, it comes around. And with thanks to God, that they put their money in that collection bag. You know this story? The, the, the next day, the Monday, you know, it follows the Sunday, the, the minister, he knocks on the door and he hands this family an envelope. He, he says, that special collection, it, it was taken up for you. Here you go. And they opened it and, and they looked at the money that they had been given and it was the exact amount that they'd raised. No one else had made a contribution. Their response, they praised God, for they were the wealthiest family in their church. No one else was able to even spare a cent. Yeah, I really love that story. You hope it's not true, don't you? How how could these Macedonians be so rich in generosity while poor themselves? It's there in verse 5. They gave themselves... First of all, to the Lord, 
and then by the will of God also to us. You see that this is not really just about money. It's about wholeheartedly following the Lord Jesus Christ. The most important thing for Paul here is not that the the Macedonians give their money to others, but that they give themselves wholeheartedly to God. We give ourselves to God. We, We come to him in repentance and faith day by day. I'm not my own. I belong to you, God. You're the one who calls the shots. You're the one who sets the agenda. And then by God's will, we give ourselves to each other. And by his word and spirit, God shapes and changes the attitudes of our hearts and the priorities or the priority of our life. Our security, our power, our freedom, our status, It's all wrapped up in him, not money. And so it frees God's people to give, even from the poverty-stricken Macedonians. I was encouraged, I think it was last year, the Presbyterian church out in Gainda, two hours' drive away, uh, they can't afford a minister. We're talking about 20-odd people, something like that. Financially, they're not particularly well off. But they gave money to a church that was in need in our region. They didn't have to. No one even asked them for money. No one was asking for money, but they just wanted that privilege. It's a great example, isn't it? This is how Paul can say, give like a Macedonian. We give ourselves first to God. Not not to happiness or the comfortable life or uh, some other thing. No, first of all to God and then by God's will to each other. And it impacts everything including the hip pocket or wherever we happen to keep money nowadays. From verses 6 and 7 we see Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's sending Titus to the Corinthians who initially raised this opportunity with them. And Titus's job is to bring it to completion with them. The the Corinthian church, I don't know if you know this, but they were known to talk themselves up. This is the big city church with the the flashy everything. And so to be told to give like a Macedonian, uh, that's at least a little humbling. Tongue-in-cheek, perhaps, Paul says in verse 7, but since you excel in everything... And he lists in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Follow the example of the church as in Macedonia, says Paul. It's a wonderful thing to be known for, isn't it? Generosity. That, that example of Gainder out there, it's good to learn from each other. Uh, and can I say the generosity of many of you is a wonderful example to us as a local church. In verses 8 and 9, Paul ups things at least a little. You think, how can you go up from here? But, uh, and we have the basis for giving as God's people. 
Uh, that's the second. If you're into points in talks, this is the, sec- the second point. We have the basis for giving as God's people. And, and notice Paul doesn't command, you must give. No, there, there's none of that. And, and we want to be really clear about that as church. Uh, but their giving is to be a response. It's to follow the pattern of Jesus. In verse 9 we read, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Starting to become a Christmas talk, isn't it? Uh, this is what we remember at Christmas time and Easter time and every day. I feel wealthy, you say to yourself. I am wealthy, but not as I look at the bank balance or the house I live in or the car that I, I drive. I feel wealthy, you say to yourself. I am wealthy as I look to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Almighty One who left the glories of heaven and lowered himself entering our mess. The perfect God-man dying in our place, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor. Paul says elsewhere, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's staggering, isn't it? And if we're struggling with generosity, what do we do? We look to Christ. Don't just try and give. No, you just look at Jesus. In fact, if we're struggling with anything, we look to him. Struggling to be a loving husband, look to Jesus. Struggling to be a loving parent, look to Jesus. Struggling with singleness, struggling with friendships, struggling to live for him in some way or another, we look to him. In some ways, the Christian life, it's really quite simple, isn't it? If Jesus became poor, does that mean we should all become poor? Uh, That we should just give it all away? I mean, Jesus told that rich young ruler, didn't he, to to sell his possessions and give to the poor. And for some of us, that may be appropriate to to give it all away. But see in verses 10 and 11, our third point, the nature of giving. I'm going to read verse 10 to 12. And here is my judgment, says Paul, about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. What's the nature of of giving money for the good of the gospel. Well, it's to be from here, it's to be voluntary and proportionate. I don't know if you see something of yourself in the, in the Corinthians story here, that initial urge, yes, this is something I want to be a part of. Oh, this is a cause that I want to, I want to give to, uh, uh, something I, I want to be among. 
but then our selfishness can kick in. At least this is my situation. And I think of all the other things I want to spend on, me. I know the urge is there, but... Well, Paul says to the Corinthians, if you're keen, get on with it. Follow it through. And according to your means, it's no good giving something that you don't have, then someone else is going to have to go and look after you. The nature of giving money for the good of the gospel, it's to be voluntary and proportionate. The fourth and final point, uh, it's verses 13 to 15, the, the goal of giving. This is surprising. Uh, Verse 13, I'll I'll read from there. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you're hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. It's interesting, isn't it, that the goal is equality. This is not the picture of one of those weird common purse communities. Sometimes you come across those. But it's voluntary and in proportion. When I have excess, I can help you when you don't. When you have excess, you can help me when I'm in need. And while this, of course, applies to the individual within the local church, the context here is between church communities, isn't it? Between local churches. We're not autonomous, which sounds wonderful. And maybe that's something for us to think about as, as a local church. But yeah, no one's keeping count. There's a, there's a back and forward interdependence caring for one another. And in verse 15, you may have noticed in your footnote that Paul's really quoting from Exodus, where the Lord's people were living out in the wilderness and the Lord was providing manna from heaven day by day Uh, And and some got greedy and they gathered extra. Uh, But God didn't allow it to keep overnight. Perhaps we could say he graciously helped them rely on him day by day. Someone said excess is toxic. And I wonder if that's our whole culture in the West And I wonder if that's in part what Proverbs 30, verse 8 and 9 is about. A prayer, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. We don't like talking about money very much, do we, in our culture? Do you know in in Africa, when it's collection time, the the bag is up the front. It's not the sneaky bag passed around. No one's looking. It's up the front. And people are dancing. What a privilege that we can contribute to gospel ministry financially. In in his commentary on on this section of of 2 Corinthians, Gary Miller, he concludes, we often run on the principle that we, we work hard so that we can play hard. 
our default is that we spend as much as we can afford on ourselves. Paul says that the way of the gospel, the way of Christ, is to lavish whatever we can on others for the sake of the gospel. It's to give like a Macedonian and to give things up for the sake of Jesus and others. As uh, your wrapping presents, I don't know how organised you are. Jen's already got the presents organised. I've just got to get her something. Um, as, as you're wrapping presents this year, yet another year, as you're wrapping up yet another year, some of you are getting older. Uh, may our prayer be that no matter our financial situation, we have a wholehearted devotion to the Lord, giving ourselves first and foremost to him, and only then by his will to each other. Why don't we pray about that now? Let, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we, we just bow before your throne. And Lord, we, we want to say that we're really sorry for buying the lie of this world, that this life is all that there is. And Lord, the accumulation of our possessions says we're living as though this is all that there is, even though we may not fully believe it. And for this, we're sorry. Lord, we're sorry too for all of the different ways that we don't look to Jesus. Father in heaven, this Christmas time, help us to look to our King. Help us to pause and linger on all that we have in him. We thank you that the one who spoke creation into being the one by whom, through whom, and for whom everything was made. That because we've failed to live your way, he entered this world, that he lowered himself, became a man, lived that perfect life that we could not, and died in our place. Lord, we thank you so much for the riches of the gospel that Jesus became poor, that we might be forgiven and adopted and secured for eternity. And Lord, help us remember that our riches are in heaven, that that's our home, and that every day is one day nearer. Lord God, as we look to Jesus, we pray that you would help us wisely spend our money, spend your money that you've entrusted us as stewards. Help us spend it well for your glory. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.